Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. And as you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 6. We are finishing our study through Galatians today. Yes, 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 there's some tentativeness there. I'm not sure you believe me. We are uh, finishing our study through Galatians today. God has blessed us. God has challenged us. God has convicted us and forgiven us and encouraged us and taught us about his glorious riches of his grace and goodness to us in Christ Jesus through our study of Galatians. Most of all, God has changed us. He's matured us. He's transformed us into the likeness of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Paul ended Galatians in chapter 6 with more than just his usual greeting that he used at the end of many of his letters. Galatians chapter 6, I hope you've made your way there, uh, and we welcome those who are worshiping online as well as those who are here in person as we study this amazing ending to Galatians together this morning. Paul wrote in verses 11 and 12, look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Paul said at the beginning of verse 11, look, see, know, obey these words from God through me to you. That's what Paul was saying here. This is urgent. Verse 12, those in verse 12 was a reference to the Judaizers, the false teachers who taught salvation is by faith in Jesus plus works such as circumcision, obedience to the Old Testament law, and requiring Gentiles to become like a Jew to be saved. Paul said throughout Galatians, the Judaizers' message was wrong. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ Jesus alone. As Paul now ended Galatians, he also said the Judaizers' motives were wrong. They taught circumcision as necessary for salvation for the Gentiles because they did not want to be persecuted and ridiculed by the legalistic Jews back in the home base in Jerusalem and because these Judaizers, these false teachers wanted to boast, they wanted to brag, they wanted to glory in their ability to persuade the Gentiles to do a work for salvation such as circumcision. Paul wrote, In verse 13, for even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. Paul said, even the circumcised, even the Judaizers, even the false teachers, even the legalistic Jews back in Jerusalem, they don't obey the law. The law demanded perfect obedience to God. The law said you have to obey all the law, all the time, which is impossible because we are sinners separated from God because of our sin against God. Therefore, as Paul's been teaching us, we know the law shows us our sin and our need for the Savior Jesus. The law is not the way to God. Faith in Jesus is the way to God. 
This is what Paul has been teaching, and it's what he's going to end on now as he finishes Galatians. He continued in verse 14, but as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross, and I to the world. Paul said, my only boast is in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. My only boast is in the sacrifice of Jesus, the righteous one for me, Paul, the unrighteous one, to bring me to God. Paul said, I have been crucified of the world. The world no longer has a hold on me. Paul has said, I was dead to my sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And this is true for you and me as followers of Jesus Christ. Today, our only boast is in our Lord Jesus Christ. Our only boast is in the sacrifice of Jesus for us, the righteous one for the unrighteous ones, us, to bring us to God. We are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is making this clear as he's ending this amazing letter of Galatians to these believers and to us as well today. So let's continue. Uh, And uh, look at verse 15. Paul wrote, for both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. Paul's continuing his thought here, his teaching here. And what Paul said is that when it comes to salvation, when it comes to a relationship with God, our works mean nothing. Being circumcised doesn't make a person a child of God. Not being circumcised doesn't make a person a child of God. Doing good works doesn't make us a child of God. Not doing good works doesn't make us a child of God. As Paul had taught in Galatians 5, if you look to your left in Galatians 5 and verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. What Paul is reminding us here is there is no quantity of good works and there is no quality of good works that we can do to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. What Paul said is, we see in verse 15, testified in Galatians 5 and verse 6, what matters instead is a new creation. Say that with me out loud. What matters instead is a new creation. Paul said what matters most when it comes to salvation, when it comes to a relationship with God, is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which opens the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and to enter into a relationship with God. Paul is saying what matters is faith in Jesus. Say that with me. What matters is faith in Jesus what Paul has been teaching throughout this letter. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see, the new has come. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation by faith in Jesus. You are a new creation by faith in Jesus. It's not by our works because if it was, we would boast. It's in Christ Jesus. This means, as Paul has been sharing with us, we need this reminder again today, our salvation, 
our new life with God, our abundant life with God, our eternal life with God, our joy from God comes from God and his work in us, not from us and our works for him. Understand, our salvation and our daily joy, our daily peace comes not from our works for God, it comes from God's work in us. As Paul is making this clear, he continues in verse 16, may peace come to all those who follow this standard and mercy even to the Israel of God. May peace. Paul is sharing a blessing here in verse 16, so let's look at this blessing. May peace. Peace means harmony. It means Unity. It means joining together that which has been separated. So Paul said, may peace come to all those. Okay, may peace, may unity, may harmony come to all those. Who, who is he talking about? All those. All those means all believers. It means all followers of Jesus Christ. So may peace, God's peace, may harmony and unity with God Come to all those, all followers of Jesus Christ, all believers, who follow this standard. Who follow this standard. The obvious question, if we're studying the Word of God as we are, is what does follow this standard mean? Who follow this standard means who walk by this rule. Who follow this principle. So the next question that you have, and I have, obviously, is what is this standard rule or principle? May peace come to all those who follow this standard. So what is the standard? What is the rule? What is the principle that we're to follow? It's exactly what Paul's been preaching and teaching. It's the message of the gospel. It's the message that salvation is by God's grace through faith in Jesus. As Paul shared in Romans 5 and verse 1, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through faith in Jesus. Our war with God due to our sin against God is over in Jesus. We have been declared righteous in Jesus. We have been declared right with God in Christ Jesus. We have been separated from God because of our sin against God. Now we have peace, we have harmony, we have unity. We are joined back together, that which has separated us and God, by God's grace, through our faith in Christ Jesus. We have God's peace in Jesus. So may peace come to all those followers of Jesus Christ who follow the standard, the rule, the practice, the truth of God's word, which says salvation is not by works, but by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus, because we'll never receive God's peace by trying to get to God by our works for God. So Paul issues a blessing of God's peace, and he also issues a blessing of God's mercy. He said, and mercy, may, all, may peace come to all those who follow the standard, and mercy, even to the Israel of God. And mercy. Mercy is God's compassion and kindness in action to those who are in desperate need. Another way of looking at mercy is this. Mercy, God's mercy, sees a need and meets a need. God's mercy sees needs 
and meets needs. So what is Paul saying? And mercy, God's peace to all those who seek him by his grace through faith in Christ Jesus, and mercy. What Paul is reminding us here in this amazing ending is God saw our need for forgiveness of sins. God saw our need for help. God saw our need for healing. God saw our need for hope. God saw our need for new life. God saw that we have been separated from him by our sin against him, and we are no longer joined to him as he created this world to be joined with him, but sin separated us from him. God saw our need, and his mercy not only saw our need, but his mercy meets us all our needs in Christ Jesus. He's met all our needs in Jesus. Paul again is sharing with these believers, it's not about works, it's about Jesus. He said, and may mercy come even to the Israel of God. So may God's peace and mercy, the blessings of his peace and mercy, come not just to followers of Jesus Christ, not just to all those who receive God's gift of salvation by God's grace through faith in Jesus, but also even to the Israel of God. The Israel of God is a reference to the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, the Jews that we've seen and met from the Old Testament carries on into the New Testament. The use of Israel in the New Testament always pointed to the nation of Israel. So he's saying, and mercy even to the Israel of God. He's saying, and God's peace and God's mercy extended even to the Jewish believers in Christ Jesus. Remember, as Paul's made clear, the Jews were the physical descendants of Abraham by birth. The Jews were the spiritual descendants of Abraham by faith. Okay, so Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In Galatians 3 and verse 7, turn to Galatians 3 and verse 7 real quick. We've gone through this, but we were reminded that Paul said in Galatians 3 and verse 7, you know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. These Judaizers, these false teachers have kept telling these believers that in order to be a Christian, you had to uh, become a Jew. You had to be a physical descendant of Abraham. And if you were a Gentile, you, you couldn't all the way become a Jew, but you could become like a Jew. Jew, which would mean you had to do the works that the Jews were called to do. And what they missed was they were physical descendants of Abraham, but that didn't give them the glory. They were spiritual descendants of Abraham by faith. Because Paul reminded them, whoa, whoa, wait a second. You are sons and daughters of Abraham spiritually by faith in Christ Jesus. And so what Paul is saying here in verse 16, and this amazing verse is this, all followers of Jesus Jewish believers and Gentile believers, the Israel of God and the members of God's household of faith have all received God's grace and peace, not by their works for God, but by God's grace through their faith in Jesus. We have all received God's peace and mercy, his grace, new life with him. By God's grace through faith in Jesus, not by our works. And he continues in verse 17, and I love this ending. He says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul said, from now on, that means from this point forward. He's ending this amazing letter. And he says, from now on, from this point forward, he said, let no one cause me trouble. Let no one cause me trouble is a present imperative. That means it's a command that Paul issued that he 
wanted to be obeyed every day. Let no one cause me trouble literally means let no one cause me trouble. It means stop bothering me. Stop irritating me. Stop resisting me. Stop opposing me. Stop coming against me. Stop trying to end my ministry. As Paul ended Galatians, he commanded the Judaizers, the false teachers, and any of his brothers and sisters in Jesus in these churches who were opposing him and coming against him to stop. He said, from now on, stop it. He said, end it. He said, because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The reason no one should cause Paul trouble is many. The number one up there at the top of the reasons why folks shouldn't cause Paul trouble is because Paul bore on his body the marks of Jesus. Paul said, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, which was an obvious reference to the persecution that he faced and endured for preaching and teaching the gospel message, for preaching salvation by grace through faith, not by works, and for calling out these Judaizers, these false teachers, and even legalistic Jews back in home church of Jerusalem for not even obeying the law themselves. You see, Paul was a genuine disciple of Jesus. Paul was a genuine follower of Jesus. Paul was a genuine minister for Jesus. He was a minister of the grace and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. And because of this fact, Paul bore on his body the marks of Jesus. Now, if you think back a little bit over a year ago, when we started our study, at the beginning, we shared that Galatians was written to four different churches in four different towns in the southern part of Galatea. One of those churches, in all four of the cities, and the churches in the cities of these four cities, Paul planted and founded those churches there. And in one of those churches, in one of the cities, that being the city of Lystra, we read in the book of Acts that Paul was taken outside the city of Lystra for preaching and teaching the good news of the gospel, and he was beaten and left for dead outside the city of Lystra. And so when Paul gets here to the end of this amazing letter, and he says, because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, the recipients of Galatians especially the believers in Lystra, they would know immediately what he was saying because they had first-hand knowledge. They saw the marks of Jesus on his body because they were the ones who went outside after the mob left, and they were the ones who went outside and helped minister to Paul after he was left for dead. And Paul understood, these believers understood that persecution is a reality. 
for followers of Jesus. Paul understood this, and Paul said, listen, from now on, from this point forward, I've made it clear through my letter. And, he, and he's making it clear here at the ending. He said, listen, don't, don't cause me any more trouble. Don't come against me. Don't continue to oppose me. Because you guys are spiritual cowards. You don't want to be persecuted by the legalistic Jews for not teaching works as a way to get to God. You want to boast and brag about convincing Gentile believers to do the work of circumcision to be saved. Whereas I, I bear on my body the true marks of Jesus. See, the Judaizers incorrectly focused on circumcision of the flesh as a requirement for salvation. All throughout Galatians, the Judaizers, the false teachers, incorrectly focused on the circumcision of the flesh as a requirement for salvation. Paul here, at the end, correctly focused on the persecution of his flesh as a result of his relationship with God. They were focusing on circumcision as a requirement to get to God. Paul said, "Uh, uh-uh-uh, you're looking at the flesh the wrong way. Look at the marks of Jesus that I bear on my body. And that is the proof, that is the evidence, that's all you need to let you know that that is a result of my relationship with God. Paul was telling these believers, since I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, these believers should believe Paul. They should be encouraged by Paul. They should follow Paul. They should listen to Paul. They should respect Paul. They should stand firm in their faith with Paul rather than opposing him and coming against him and causing trouble for him. I said he was sharing with them. Stop causing trouble. Get in line. This isn't something I'm just preaching and teaching and writing to you. You know me. You've seen me. You know I've got the scars on my body. You know I was left for dead. I'm sincere. I'm authentic. I'm being genuine here. This is the truth of God's word. These are my words. These are God's words through me. Get yourself back in the line spiritually. From now on, it won't cause me any more trouble. Because I, Paul said, bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And then I love how he shifts from verse 17 to verse 18. Look at how he shifts quickly from 17 to 18. Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? I mean, he's given a tool. And then, boom, shifts immediately, seamlessly, smoothly into verse 18. And he ends Galatians with an encouraging, loving word. Paul says, brothers and sisters, which reminded them that they were family in Jesus. Paul said, brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Paul ended Galatians the same way he started Galatians. If you want to look to Galatians chapter 1 at the very beginning, what did Paul do? He ended Galatians the same way he started Galatians by issuing them a blessing of God's grace to them in Christ Jesus. Paul once again emphasized the superiority of grace over works. From the first of the letter to the end of the letter, he emphasized the superiority of grace over works. We are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus. 
We are sustained by God's grace in our weakness. We are strengthened by God's grace to walk by the Spirit. We are blessed by God's grace to us in Christ Jesus. Paul needed God's grace. These believers needed God's grace. I need God's grace. You need God's grace. We all need God's grace. Paul understood this, and he started and he ended Galatians with a blessing of God's grace to everyone in the Lord Jesus Christ. May God's grace be with our spirit. Amen and amen. Paul was blessing and encouraging and loving these believers as he finished this letter to them and to us. I love what Jerry Bridges, a prominent Christian author and speaker, said. He said this. He said, your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. What a great, great statement. What does that mean? It means this. We all need God's all-sufficient grace all the time. Amen? We all need God's all-sufficient grace all the time. I need God's all-sufficient grace all the time. And so do you. And so what is our application? Where do we go from here? What is our takeaway for today and for this week as we finish this amazing, amazing book of Galatians. Well, the application is real simple. We are to put into practice, we are to obey the word of God to us through Paul. We're to put into practice the truth that God has spoken to us and poured into us through Paul throughout Galatians, and they're the very truths that Paul ended Galatians with in this passage. Namely, the first truth is this, embrace our faith in Jesus. Embrace our faith in Jesus. We are saved. We are justified. We are declared right with God by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. We need to embrace the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus took our place on the cross and and paid our price for sin with his very life and his blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. That is a hallelujah point. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. We need to embrace our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus did what we could not do for ourselves. He satisfied God's demand for a perfect and holy sacrifice to be made so that we who are imperfect and unholy could be made right, could have peace with a perfect and holy God. He did it by his sacrifice of his very life for us on the cross of Calvary. And so we understand today, as well as these believers, maybe even more so because we have the full canon of Scripture in our hands this morning, we understand this. Our works mean nothing when it comes to gaining salvation. Our works accomplish nothing when it comes to gaining salvation. We must be careful, as we look at this letter, we must be careful not to think good works is the way for us to get to God, or not to think good works is the way for us to get to heaven one day. We must be careful of this. Trusting in good works to get to God, trusting in good works to get to heaven is a faulty belief. Because when we trust in good works, we feel good and worthy of God when we do good works, but we feel bad and unworthy of God when we do bad works and sin against God. Trusting in good works puts us on an endless cycle. It enslaves us. It doesn't free us. It enslaves us to our works and to stressing out throughout the day. 
because we can't do good works to get us to God. And it's a cycle that continually discourages us and exhausts us and frustrates us because it is a faulty belief system. It's impossible. The truth of the matter is, as Paul's been sharing, and we know this as well today, we can't get to God by our works for God. Salvation is in Jesus, and salvation is all about Jesus. My salvation is in Jesus, and my salvation is all about Jesus. It has nothing to do with Mark. It has everything to do with Jesus. And that same for true is for you. It's truth is our truth. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. How could we ever rob God's glory by taking credit for our relationship with God, by our works for God in any way? That is anathema to you and to me. We cannot do that. Salvation is in Jesus, and salvation is all about Jesus. We are saved for good works, but we're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. So as we embrace our faith in Jesus, you know what we're going to do? As we embrace our faith in Jesus, we will show our faith in Jesus by our obedience to Jesus. As we embrace our faith in Jesus, salvation is in Jesus and it's all about Jesus. We then show that faith in Jesus. We show that we're embracing that faith in Jesus as we walk in obedience to Jesus day by day. The second truth that Paul shared with us throughout this book as we get to the end is embrace our freedom in Jesus. As Paul told us, for freedom, Christ has set us free. We are free from our bondage to sin in this world. We are free from trying to get to God by our works for God. Jesus set us free by his death, burial, and resurrection. And when the Son sets us free, we are free indeed. Amen? We are free. We are free in Jesus. We're free in Jesus to live for Jesus. We are free in Jesus to love like Jesus. We are free in Jesus to walk by the Spirit. Now remember, Paul taught us We're not to use our freedom in Jesus to indulge our sinful flesh. No, 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 no. We would never, understanding and embracing our faith in Jesus, we then are able to embrace our freedom in Jesus. And when we embrace our faith and freedom in Jesus, we would therefore never use the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus to indulge our sinful lusts, to indulge the flesh. No, 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 no. We're going to embrace our faith and freedom in Jesus, and we're going to demonstrate that as we serve one another through love, as Paul said in chapter 5. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, Paul said, but rather serve one another through love. Our freedom in Jesus helps us to know, listen, we are loved today and every day. We are saved, sealed, and secure in Christ Jesus. Helps us to know we never take a step There's never a moment we live that we are apart from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is with us. He goes before us. And he empowers us day by day to live his way. Our freedom in Jesus reminds us that this world isn't our home. We're just passing through on our way to our eternal home in heaven one day. Man, we need to embrace our faith in Jesus. We don't have to work 
to try to get to God. We're not trying to keep score on a day-by-day basis. If I do many good works and I feel good about myself, if I don't do good works, oh my goodness, I feel terrible about myself, and we get into that cycle. No, no, no. We have faith in Christ Jesus. He took our place. He paid our price for sin. Our salvation is in Jesus. And because we are now free in Jesus, because Jesus set us free, because we couldn't free ourselves because of our sin against God, Jesus set us free. Now we're free to live his way and to love his way day by day. The third truth is we need to embrace our victory in Jesus. Paul shared this throughout Galatians. Embrace your victory in Jesus. The Christian life is a battleground. The Christian life, brothers and sisters, is a battleground. Spiritual warfare is real. It's real. Paul told us, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And we need to understand opposition, resistance, ridicule, and persecution is a reality for Christ followers. Paul knew this. These believers knew this. We know this. It's a reality for those who stand firm in the truth and who walk by the truth. It's not necessarily a reality for those Christ followers who are living in the world six days a week and coming to the Word one morning a week. Persecution won't happen much if you're not really embracing your freedom in Jesus and your faith in Jesus. But when you embrace your faith and your freedom, you're reminded quickly that, man, we're victors in Jesus. We are victors in Jesus. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul was saying. Listen, don't cause me any trouble anymore. Brothers and sisters, may, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Embrace your victory in Jesus. We are victors in Jesus. That means we fight from victory, not for victory, because we've already won the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We've already won the victory. We know no weapons formed against us will prosper. We know weapons will be formed against us, but we know they won't prosper or succeed because we are in Jesus. We know greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. We know we can be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. We know we can put on the full armor of God and take our stand against our enemy's schemes, tactics, and temptations. We know if we walk by the Spirit, we will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. We know that there is no one or nothing that can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. We know since God is for us, who can be against us? We know there is no wisdom, no insight, no counsel that can prevail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for battle, but victory, I said, but victory, one more time, say it together, but victory comes from the Lord. We get to walk in our victory in Jesus. And that victory is a personal victory for you and for me. At times, you may be surrounded by those who aren't walking in their victory in Jesus because they don't have the freedom that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, we still have the opportunity in Jesus to embrace our victory in Jesus. It's personal. It's also public. It's also for us together, which is the fourth and final point that Paul brings us to. And that is we must embrace our family in Jesus. Embrace our family in Jesus. Look at how Paul ended this letter. He said, brothers and sisters. Paul ended Galatians calling them his brothers and sisters. 
he was sharing with them once again, they were family in Jesus. Hey, the good news that I have to share with you this morning is our faith is in Jesus, our freedom is in Jesus, our victory is in Jesus, and we are family in Jesus. We're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We are members of God's household of faith. We don't look alike. We don't sound alike. We come from a lot of different places. We speak different languages. We come from different nations. But we are one in Christ Jesus. We are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And we are called to embrace our family in Jesus. To embrace one another because we're brothers and sisters. That means we are to love one another as Christ loved us. As Jesus said, the way that the world will know you are my followers and the way the world will be drawn to me, Jesus said, is by the way in which they see you love one another. That's why Paul has said, we love one another by picking up one another spiritually, by holding up one another spiritually, by looking up with one another to God, by sharing with one another, and by doing good to one another. Paul said, let's not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all especially for those who belong to the household of faith. We're to work for the good of everyone, but especially, especially to those who belong to the household of faith, especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Receive this email this past Friday. Bill and Lori Johnson, faithful members of our church family. A few years ago, Bill suffered a massive stroke, left him paralyzed. And when we see him as Bill and Lori are here, he's confined to that chair. A very, very active, strong man prior to that massive stroke. Faithful members of our church family, week in, week out, throughout the week, here, ministering, serving, they shared this. Said, I've been wanting to write this letter to you and our church family for a while now. I wanted to thank you and the church for carrying our burdens with us and loving on us through this trial. We've not made it through this without the love and support of so many in our church family. You were and are a constant source of strength and encouragement to us. Our church family has served us in so many ways, providing 
for us daily, visiting with us, providing wheelchair ramps for our home, a bathroom remodel for showering, helping purchase a wheelchair accessible van and van maintenance, water heater replacement, technical and financial support, equipment maintenance, meals, help when I was sick, and pastors that teach us the truth about God's word. I thank God for you and our church family. You all have never wavered in your love and support of us. We love and thank you all. God bless Bill and Lori Johnson. Let us not get tired. doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up therefore as we have opportunity which means today right here and right now let us work for the good of all especially for those who belong to God's household of faith, especially for our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And we're going to walk in the Word this morning, so here's how it's going to work. If you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as we share every week. That is the biggest and greatest decision you can make. And our pastors will be up here, our ministers will be up here. We would love to introduce you to Jesus. And you always have that opportunity. And I would encourage you as the gospel has been presented once again this morning throughout this time together in this study of God's Word, say yes to Jesus today. We would love to introduce you to Jesus. The altar is open for you to come and kneel and do business with the Lord as well. But what I want us to do as our pastors and ministers come forward to receive those who may want to place their faith in Jesus Christ, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this uh, in, in stages. And uh, we're going to walk in the Word. That's what the Word tells, tells us to do. And so we're going to embrace our faith. We're going to embrace our freedom. We're going to embrace our victory. And we're going to embrace our family all together right here, right now. First phase is when I say go, we're going to stand up and I want you to go to two or three different folks. I want you to move and go to two or three different folks. And I want you to embrace your family and Jesus by simply encouraging them, by simply giving them a word of encouragement. God loves you. I love you. Thank you for uh, your blessing, your encouragement to me. I want you to move. And if you're here and you're visiting, go to the one you came with. And if you're visiting and you're here by yourself, the Spirit of God is moving. He'll work. He'll move. He'll guide and direct your steps. Okay? That's going to be the first phase. Ready? Set. Go. Let's stand up and let's embrace our family in Jesus. Go. 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 Embrace them. Embrace them. Embrace them. Embrace them. Embrace your family. If you see somebody standing by themselves, go and embrace them. Go and embrace them. Go and embrace them. 
Them. Love you. All right, let's come back together. We got phase two. Don't use it all up in phase one. We got phase two. All right, here's phase two. Here's phase two. What I want you to do, what I want you to do is we're embracing our faith, we're embracing our freedom, we're embracing our victory, and we're embracing our family in Jesus. Phase two, and we're stepping out of the waters of faith. This may make you a little uncomfortable, but I think that's okay. The Spirit is moving. We're good. What I want you to do now is I want you to go to one other person, and I want you to embrace your family in Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just say a quick prayer for one another. Just bow right there in the aisles, wherever you're at, and just say a quick prayer. God, would you bless my brother? Would you bless my sister? It could be that simple. It could be that simple. God, would you bless my brother in Christ? Would you bless my sister in Christ? Would you bless their marriage and family this week? If you know them more, then you can pray more specifically. But we're not trying to catch up on our prayer life this morning, okay? So let's make sure. This is a, this is a blessing. Not going to catch up. We're not trying to impress anybody with our long prayers. Just a blessing, okay? Ready, set, go. 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 you're bringing that phase to a close, we're going to go into phase three. Phase three, we are, we are embracing our faith in Jesus, our freedom in Jesus, our victory in Jesus, and our family in Jesus. Now what I want you to do is I want, I need our worship team and praise team to come up too, by the way. So praise team, praise me, I need you to come up. Uh, here's, here's phase three. This one's going to be real short, real easy, real quick. Smile real, real big at three people around you. Ready, set, go. I mean, real big at three people around you. Give them those pearly whites. All right. All right, now our fourth our four phases, we're going to worship the Lord together through song. The altar is open as you we want to come and do business with the Father. If you want to receive Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Now let's worship the Father. We're embracing our faith and our freedom and our victory and our family in Jesus, which causes and creates in us a desire to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. <laughs> 